Hey everybody, welcome to the Fearlessly Authentic Podcast, episodes aimed at presenting authentic truth in a fearlessly practical way. I'm Jerry Wakoyak and I'll be your host today. But before we jump into today's episode, I want to thank you for listening and being fearlessly authentic. This is our pilot episode and I'm excited to bring you episodes that will hopefully help you in some very practical ways. In today's episode, we're going to look at a character from the Old Testament named Joseph. In fact, we're going to discover his origin story. And as we do, we're going to ask this question. Does your past experiences have to determine your future choices? Here's part one. But we're going to look at different life principles that you can take home each week and you can, you can apply in your life from the life of Joseph. Not just historical background, though you're going to get some historical background. Not just the chronological idea of what's going on in Joseph's life, though we're going to get the chronological idea of what's going on in Joseph's life. But what we're going to do is we're going to examine his life and we're going to extract from his life the extraordinary principles that are there so that we can not just know Joseph as some cool character in the Old Testament that we wish we could be, but we're going to understand Joseph from a sense that we could be just like Joseph. And so today I want to begin a journey together with you looking at this life. Did you know that 25% of the book of Genesis deals with the life of Joseph? 25%. In fact, more is spoken about Joseph in the book of Genesis than Abraham. He's, you know, he's like the father of the nation. Than Noah, than, than even Adam and Eve. More is spoken about Joseph. And yet, get, get this, get this, he's not even in the line of Christ. Joseph's not even in the line of Christ. Christ comes through Judah, not through Joseph. Yet, God takes 25% of the first book that he has Moses write, and he talks about the life of Joseph. Now, as I said in the, at the end of this series, I want us to know the principles that guided his life. I, I want us to know how we could live more like Joseph. But this morning, I think we need to find out a little bit about who Joseph is. Where did he come from? What influences guided him in his life? Today is Joseph's origin story. Now, if you like comic books or superhero stories, they're always doing an origin story. I mean, Superman has been redone like 40 million times, right? When I was a kid, uh, it was Christopher Reeve, and he redid Superman. I mean, the Superman that I grew up knowing was the guy from the 1950s, you know, the black and white guy, you know, George Reeve or George something or other, I don't know what his name is, but he would just, you know, always be like this, you know, and just, you know, you know he'd that was a Superman. Then when I grew up, and I got uh, in the 80s, there was, there was Christopher Reeve. And, and back, back then, it, the technology was awesome. And I lived up in Buffalo, and they did a scene where, remember the Niagara Falls scene, if you remember anything about it? They, they did filming there, and Superman was there. It was just the most awesome, awesome thing. And now they've redone it over and over again, and I think Spider-Man has been redone 14 million times. We've always got to find out the origin story of these people. And the origin story uh, retells the character's creation, how they came from nothing to be who they are, so that we kind of know a little about who they are. Many of the heroes in super, super, the superheroes or the comic books, the decisions of their life are controlled by something that took place in their past. Their origin defines who they have become and what lies ahead for them in the future. Now, though we are not superheroes, Every one of us here have an origin story. Turn to your neighbor and say, I've got one. We all have an origin story. We all came from somewhere. We all have some kind of relationship, good or bad, with our parents or our relatives. 
Even strangers guide us when we're young. And much of who we are today stems from our origin, both good and bad. Now, some of us use the bad story, our bad origin story, as an excuse to repeat bad behavior in our lives. Others with good origin stories feel they have to add a little drama to their life, feel they need to little, add a little, little dash of disobedience or a few shakes of sin in order to create for them a testimony. You know, the, the idea of growing up and saying, well, you know, when I was four years old, I got saved at the foot of my mama's bed and saved me from a life of a, of a, of a wayward tricyclist. I mean, that just doesn't really go too well. I mean, that does, that's not the most, uh, that's not an inspiring wild story we want we had to add a little dash of disobedience a little salt of sin here to create for us a testament you got a good origin story and you're ruining it because somehow you think you got to have a little drama to make it more spicy still others come from a harsh and hard background and turned out to be gentle forgiving and wonderful people the question that i always have to what's what makes the difference in these individuals why does someone who comes from a hard harsh background can turn out to be awesome and someone who has has like everything that they need Everything from, from an outside standpoint, good parents and brought them up in a good Christian home and you know, tried, to, tried to do their best, not perfectly. Why is it some people just, just, just bail? Why is there such a diverse response in the way in which I grew up, you and I grew up? Why do some blame their upbringing, their bad relationships or a horrible boss for all the trouble that happens in their lives? And others rise out of ashes of a terrible situation and respond biblically to their future endeavors. And this is the question I want us to challenge ourselves as we consider this idea of origins. And it's the question that Joseph had to ask. It's the question I think is just screaming from Joseph's story is this. Do uncontrollable events in my past have to control my future decisions? Basically, does my origin story have to define me? Does my origin story have to define me? Now, you got your Bibles with you? Turn to Genesis chapter 37. Turn to Genesis chapter 37. Now, we're first introduced to Joseph in chapter 35 with just his birth. We don't hear much about him after that. Chapter 35 talks a little bit about Jacob, and then chapter 36 talks all about Esau. And then we come to chapter 37, and we're introduced to this guy named Joseph. And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. Now, that's going to be very important. We're going to look a lot at that his father, Jacob. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph being how many years old? You say it. 17 years old. Now, at 17 years old, you're pretty much hardwired. Would you agree with that? You're at 17 years old. In fact, at 17 years old, your mind is going through, especially boys, their mind is going through a total rewiring. Everything before that has sort of been mommy and daddy led and forced. And all that information was coming in. But even, even people who study the brain say that, especially young men, they go through this process where their, their brain rewires. And we would all say amen to that, right? Their brain rewires, taking in all of what took place in their life and all of the responses and their choices, and it rewires their brain. And that time between 17 and 23 is a time of fog. Now, I can say that because I've already been through the fog. If I was 17 through 23, I'd be saying, Pastor, you don't know what you're talking about. I know exactly what I want in my life. It's exactly what I decided this morning. <laughs> and it's different what I decided yesterday morning. And man, I got a new game on Xbox. And, uh, you know, so anyway, uh, <clears throat> just kidding. But he's 17 years old, and he was feeding the flock with his brethren, 
And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah. We're going to find out who she is. And with the sons of Zilpah. Oh, uh, 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 who is she? His father's wives. Wives. Wait, I thought Jacob was married to some girl named Rachel. Oh, he is. And Leah. Four. Four. Now, two were technically his handmaids, but I, you having children with someone is sort of like your wife. I know culturally we don't say that, but you know that, that's, how you, that's how you make a family. Man, woman, children makes a family. Husband, wife, that's the way it's supposed to be. And Joseph brought unto his father the evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. Turn to your neighbor and say, danger sign. Because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren or his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren... They jumped up for joy. Oh, good for Joseph. Awesome. One of us has got to get something out of this. No. They hated him and could not speak peaceably on him. I can't even speak to this 17-year-old. I, I, I can't even look at him. If he's coming, I'm out of here. It's like here's the big dinner table, right? Or at lunchtime, everybody's coming down, and everybody's got their lunch trays, and everybody's eating, and here comes Joseph with his coat of many colors. Hey, check me out. I'm Joseph. And he sits down, and all the brothers get up and walk away. Was it something I said? No, Joseph, it's just what your dad did. And so I want to look here at Joseph, Joseph's origin. I want to take some time here this morning and really kind of, here's what's going on, Genesis 37. But this didn't just happen. So if we were doing a movie, okay, this would be the dream sequence, okay? This is where we would go back in time and we would look at all the things that kind of build up to Genesis 37 where Joseph is the favorite son. He's got the coat of many colors. His brothers hate him. They can't even speak peacefully to him. Why, how did this happen? Well, it all starts with his dad, Jacob. Now, if you want to flip with me, if you want to play along this morning, turn over to Genesis 25. We're going to look at a lot of scripture. And so uh, that's why he came to church, right? You came to church to, to hear some scripture, right? Not to just hear some guy talk about some things that he thought up in his office all week long. You want to, you so you got you to follow along with me, and I hope you do. But Genesis 25, uh, in verse 24, it says, And when her days to be delivered, this is, this is Jacob's mom, Rebecca. When her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her room. In her, in her room. <laughs> yeah, there are going to be some twins in her room. <laughs> That's the G-rated version of womb, in her room. Well, mommy has two babies in her womb, in her room, you know? And so, you, you know how that is. Anyway, uh, twins in her womb. And, there came, and the first came out red all over like a hairy garment. And they called his name Esau. Esau, by the way, here, here's what it means. It means red. Now, how would you like to be named what you look like when you came out of your mom's womb? What's your name? Pasty White. What's your name? Sticky goo. What's your name? Oh! That was his name, Esau, red. And after that came his brother out, this is Jacob, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. Jacob literally means heel catcher. Heel catcher means deceiver. What are we going to name this guy? Well, I don't know his... I mean, it's like... Isaac and Rebecca waited until the, the actual birth to think about names. I mean, you all think, you all have babies, you're thinking about names like right away. 
You're searching popular names. You're, you remember, well, when I was a little girl, I've always wanted to have, you know, I mean, you've got names all picked out and you're trying to, you know, honor people with your names. And if you're, if you're a real independent fundamental Baptist, you're like, what name in the Bible is the most obscure name that I could do this and be spiritual? But here was, the, here was his birth. The situation of birth. What's the lesson that, what's the lesson that screams out of this, this thing? It's a lesson that Jacob, Jacob, from the very coming out of the womb, it's a lesson that he's been fighting, is that you have to fight your way in this world. He began in a, in a, in a, in a culture and in a place where he felt he had to fight his way in the world and drop down to verse 28 of chapter 25. I'm sorry, verse, yeah, verse 28. And Isaac loved Esau... Because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Now, we fast forward here. The birth was just a couple of verses ago. But now we have the idea of, of Isaac and Esau. They were a pair. And then Jacob and Rebekah, they were a pair. Which really speaks more to the marriage relationship of Isaac and Rebekah than the other stuff, but the, the poor relationship that is actually shown there is, is the fact that they were finding their worth in their children, and they picked favorites. What was the lesson that Jacob learned there? Well, this is the lesson he learned. Parents love some kids better than others. How many kids show up at the Wilds Christian camp every summer with this same exact testimony? Well, my mom likes me, but my dad hates me. My dad likes me, but my mom hates me. Not just one, two, or three kids, but hundreds of kids. Hundreds of kids are in families all around our neighborhoods and sometimes even in our churches where parents have played favorites. And isn't it easy to play favorite with the one who is the good kid? The kid who is the troublemaker? The kid who is, requires all the time? The kid who requires all the extra spankings? Man, I just don't want to deal with that kid anymore. I want, oh, hey, how you doing? You're my favorite, you know? You're my number one. And so the lesson that Jacob's learning, first of all, you've got to fight your way into this world. If you want something in this world, you've got to fight your way. And then second is all, well, I guess it's just the way that some parents love more kids than their others. Flip over to chapter 27. Chapter 27. Beginning in verse 5. We have the idea of the stolen blessing here. Rebekah heard when Isaac spake to Esau... Then Esau went to the field to hunt for venison to bring it. Now, the idea is that Esau came to Isaac. Isaac knew that he was coming to the end, and he was like, I'm going to bless you, but go get me some food. Go get me some food first. I love your venison. Give me some food. Isaac, if you'll understand, is sort of a foodie to a negative thing. It's always about food with him. And Rebekah heard this, and she spake unto Jacob, her son, saying, Behold, I... I heard thy father speak unto Esau thy brother, saying, Bring me venison and make me savory meat that I may eat, and bless thee before the Lord, but bless me before the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Now, of course, he's going to listen. He's the favorite one. Esau was sort of the, the hunting guy. Jacob kind of liked to watch the food network, you know what I mean? Nothing wrong with either one, just that was what it was. Go now to the flock, fetch me from thence two goats, good, kid, good kids of the goats, and I'll make them savory meat for thy father, such as he loveth. I know how he likes his meat made, so you go get me some, some goats, and, and thou shalt bring it to thy father, and he may eat, and, and that he may bless thee before thy death. Go get this. This is what I heard him tell Esau. Go get this and bring it here, and then you're going to take it in, and he's going to bless you. Now Jacob said unto Rebekah, his mother, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man. I am a smooth man. See, Jacob, she didn't say it, but Jacob totally understood what was going on with mom. 
She didn't say, hey, we're going to go in and deceive your father. He totally got it. Why? Because he's hanging out with mom all the time. He's learned her ways. But he realizes there's a flaw to her plan. He says, Esau is a hairy. I'm a smooth man. My father pre-adventure will feel me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver. Seem? No, no, Jacob, you are a deceiver. You learned it from your mom. And I shall bring a curse upon me and not a blessing. And his mother said to him, Upon me be the curse, my son, and obey my voice and go fetch me with them. He went and fetched and brought them to his mother, and his mother made savory meat such as his father loved. What's going on here? What's the lesson here? Lie and deceit your way to success, my son. The way to success is to use lying and deceit. Curse? Curse? I'll take it on me. There could be no curse. Ah, my boy's going to get the blessing. How are we going to do it? We're going to lie our way. We're going to deceit our way. This is all going into Jacob's DNA. This is all going up into what he is. This is all going into his thinking. You've got to fight your way to get in this world. Parents, some parents like you better than others, and you, you have to lie and deceit your way to success. Flip over to chapter 28. Let's, go, let's learn some more lessons that Jacob learned as a young man. The whole story breaks down, and everything is found out what took place. Isaac tells Jacob to go find a wife. And on the way, on the way to find a, find a wife, this is where we have the story of Jacob's ladder. He has a dream, and, and he sees this ladder, and people going up and down. And, but listen, listen to Jacob's response to this at the very end. Notice, if you'll direct your attention to verse 20. God showed him all of this stuff, and, and uh, he made an altar there and called it Bethel, or the house of God. And Verse 20, he vowed a vow saying, now listen to the vow. If God will be with me, and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my Father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. Then shall the Lord be my God. And the, word, the, 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 the Hebrew word for if there is not an if of fulfillment, like since or I know for a fact that you will keep your promises. He's like, no, no God, if, if you will do what I want, then, then, then you're, you're my God. If, if, you, if you make sure that I have what I want, that I have food that I need to eat, I have clothes on my back, and you take me back to my father's land someday, then you're God. If not, I'm not so sure. What's the lesson that he was, was generating in his life is that faith in God is conditional. It's conditional to my situation. Faith in God is conditional. I'll, I'll serve you, God, as long as everything goes the way I want it. God, you're God. If... if, if if everything's working out well, and I get what I want, and, 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 and everything works to, to my pleasure, then in the end, you're God. But see, with God, that, that's not the relationship it works. It's like you have to first acknowledge him as God, unconditionally, but not with Jacob. Even, in the, even with a dream from God. And in a later message, the fact that he had this dream will work to Jacob's, uh, Joseph's advantage. But we move on to chapter 29 and verse 21. And this is where he goes to Laban, his mom's brother, to get a wife. And he checks out this, this very fine young lady named Rachel. He's like, she's the one. She's the one. And he goes over to Laban and says, Rachel is the one. And, and, and Laban's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let me think. Uh, you like Rachel. Okay, so here's the deal. You work for me for seven years. She's yours. He's like, done. 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 But what happens is that when wedding time comes, <laughs> dad sends the older daughter in, Leah. And Jacob actually marries Leah, but he's too 
overwhelmed with passion and alcohol to notice that this isn't Rachel. He's deceived himself. Oh, well, there's karma. And so now he has to work another seven years for Rachel. I call this the lesson of two wives too many. And, and the lesson is, Jacob thought happiness was found in a pretty face. Thanks for listening to part one of Joseph's origin story. As you heard, Joseph grew up with a pretty messed up family. And maybe you can identify with his story. Well, tune in next time to hear more about his origin story and how he was able to overcome such a dysfunctional family right here on Fearlessly Authentic.